I think of all of us like to think that we're doing a great job being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's a great compliment. It's a salt of the earth kind of guy, you know? It's something that uh, I think there's a level in which we, we, we strive for it, certainly, to be somebody who is on some level simple. I mean that, I mean that in a good way. Uh, and also just good. Someone who recognizes the good of the other, seeks the good of the other, someone who is humble in the end, not self-serving or self-seeking. I mean, of course, who wouldn't like to think of themselves in those kinds of, in those kinds of terms? There's a story of a young woman who lived in Tokyo shortly after World War II. Her name was Satoko Kitahara. And she discovered a need. She's a convert to the Catholic faith. She was not raised Catholic. And she discovered uh, a great need amongst the poor. As you know, Tokyo was um, pretty badly destroyed during World War II. A lot of folks uh, who were living there were in some pretty extreme poverty. Many of them eating out of garbage cans and forming even their own little towns out of whatever they could muster from the dumpsters of other, others, the trash of those who are a little, a little better off. There was a man there who saw what she was doing. She would go and spend her days with these people, helping them out, helping them to, to form a little chapel so they could have some worship, teaching the kids uh, about our Lord and about the faith. There was a man there who wasn't Christian at all, in fact, didn't believe in God, very disillusioned, bittered uh, because of the things that he had seen and been through. He said to her, if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't go home every night. If you really were a Christian, you wouldn't go sleep in a nice, comfortable bed. If you really were a Christian, he wouldn't be warm and cozy. You'd stay with these people. You would live with them. You would actually give your life to them. He was angry at this young woman. Angry at her because he saw her as a complete fraud and a total fake. Now, any of us looking from the outside would say, that's a pretty good thing she's doing. Spending a lot of time serving these poor people living in the slums of Tokyo. And I think there's something absolutely true about that. But whatever this atheist said to her struck her and hit her deeply. As you can imagine when she told her mother, with whom she still lived, Mom, I'll see you later. I'm going to live in what they called Ants Town, town of ants. I'm going to live with these people because I want to dedicate my life to serving them and to serving Christ in them. And she was challenged by, well, by someone who's not even a believer to take seriously in the deepest level possible the words of the gospel. Someone who desired in the end to be not just a light for these, but even beyond the people that she served immediately and the others in the community. Thanks be to God, this atheist was eventually converted 
He was eventually baptized, received into the faith before he died. You can see how her desire, her desire to respond to the needs of others was something that moved her to take concrete action. Our Lord says in the prophet Isaiah this evening, Share your bread with the hungry, shelter the oppressed and the homeless, clothe the naked when you see them, and do not turn your back on your own. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your wound shall quickly be healed. It's a tall order. I recognize also that I guess I'm preaching all of that. I live in a nice place. Right over there, right outside. Let me take a look. A lot of us live in fairly nice places. Doing okay, more or less. In the words of the gospel, the things that God calls us to, in the end, are pretty radical. And there are ways that he moves us and calls us uh, that are, in the end, uncomfortable. And so it's good for us to hear today also the witness of St. Paul. When I came to you proclaiming the mystery of God, didn't come with sublimity of words or of wisdom. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. This is somebody who really and truly gave it all. Give it all away, give it up. Left his homeland, traveled all over the known world at the time eventually arrested and finally beheaded in Rome. And if you go through the letter, his letters, you, you see he's shipwrecked, shipwrecked so many times, scourged so many times, arrested, imprisoned, I mean, all these things that he was willing to undergo for the sake of the gospel. And there's, there's a reason that he's like the consummate missionary. There's a reason that our Lord chose him to be the first, really, to spread the gospel in all of these foreign lands. And the reason he's effective, I resolved to do nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, I wasn't interested in taking all of my human abilities and just putting them at the service of the gospel. I was interested in following Christ. Whether that meant he wants to use all of my human abilities, or maybe even just a couple of them. Whether he just wanted to use me. He wanted someone to be open to the movements of the Holy Spirit. It seems to be the witness of the saints. It seems to be the way that they operated. And I think it's a healthy call for each of us today to consider. What is it that I'm called to let go of. I mean, really and truly, like concretely, even radically, if that's the way that God is calling me. I was at the March for Life a few weeks ago. We announced it. We took a bus from the parish, and it was wonderful. It's a great day to witness to the goodness of all human life. I saw a sign while I was there. Lots of signs while we were there. Some counter-protesters, folks who are not pro-life. And one of them said, where were you when Puerto Rico was in need? And a whole other list of all kinds of things that pro-lifers should be doing. It reminded me of that, of that other story about Satoko Kitahara from Tokyo. Where were you? How come 
You're only focused on this one thing. How come you're not willing to totally give yourself? Like, wouldn't that make you a, like, a, like a true Christian? Wouldn't that make you a real Christian? Something along those lines. And sure, I guarantee you, half the people there are also trying to help uh, in whatever uh, folks they find them, who, who find themselves in need in, in, in all kinds of ways, not just in the pro-life realm. Nor do I think that the fact that someone isn't helping out uh, in Puerto Rico means that they shouldn't be pro-life. Okay. And yet there is the reality that we do desire to be a light, not just to a few, but we desire to be like a light for the world and for everybody who sees us. And so maybe the call for me individually isn't to go live in the slums of Tokyo. Maybe the call for each of us isn't to divest ourselves of every last penny that we have. But I think it is a healthy call for each of us to be aware continually of even the little faults, the little things that people see in us that will enable them to say, you don't believe totally, do you? Like you're not really dedicated to Christ, like you say you are, like, like you want me to be. So this is a call that, that each of us has, because we all know that day in and day out, we're fighting against these little, little temptations, fighting against these little faults that tend to spring up in our hearts. We're fighting against what to us seem like things that aren't that important. But maybe as somebody else, who's hurting as much as anybody, someone else who's looking for the light as much as, as, as each of us. Maybe to somebody else, that's something huge. Maybe to someone else, that's something that keeps them from Christ. I don't want my light to be darkness. I think that none of us in here would do something along, along those lines intentionally. None of us in here is interested in being an obstacle for someone coming to Christ. But we do find ourselves in weakness. We do find ourselves uh, with our own difficulties, challenges, faults, and, and even sins sometimes. And this is a place where our Lord desires to enter. So while we're called daily to notice those faults, recognize those faults. Always encourage, like, a nightly examination of conscience, just to be aware. Like, what are the things that I do that aren't good? We're also called to, well, to study a little bit, right? If I want to be a light, if I want to be somebody who can actually give forth knowledge, I got to know what I'm talking about. If I'm going to be somebody who needs to, like, excise faults from my life, I got to know where they are. I got to know what is good and what is not good. I need to put, the, put some time and some effort into discovering what that actually is. And if I'm going to be the salt of the world, salt of the earth, if I'm, if I'm going to be someone who's good, who, who preserves what's already been given, what salt does, it seems to me that my continual presence and concern, charity, for the good of others also has to be primary in the way that I live. So salt of the earth and light of the world is a tall order. Something that leads God to divest himself of the glory that he has with his Father in heaven and to become man for us. And then, well, more than that, I mean, to go to the cross and die for our sins in a, 
in a ridiculously shameful kind of way. In a way that for some is in fact a scandal. To show us that, as St. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because then that the power of God can shine through me. Because I'm only, only the light of the world. I'm only the salt of the earth. Because Christ was that first. I can't outshine Jesus Christ. Kind of a, I don't know, not useful idea, right? I can't outshine God himself. I don't want to. But I do want what he has done to permeate my life and my own heart for the sake of the good of others. Okay, so I have to shift gears for a second here. You guys know that Lent is coming up. <laughs> 